The New Factory Thinker. Chapter 5. Harry. An Old Factory Thinker. Today, millions of smart and hard-working people have the ability to create a successful business. There's only one problem. They will probably use old factory thinking, and that will doom their company right from the start. To illustrate my point, consider Harry, one of those smart and hard-working people. During his spare time, Harry invents a new kind of hammer. It's three times lighter and ten times stronger than other hammers on the market. Everyone agrees, it's a great hammer. With encouragement from family and friends, he launches a company called Harry's Hammers. He leases industrial space and builds an assembly line to make hammers. He also hires employees and puts together a sales campaign. After 18 months of preparation, Harry's sales team enters the marketplace. They have two targets, retailers and consumers. They want stores to stock their hammers, but they also plan to sell directly to consumers. After two weeks, a pattern emerges. The sales team reports that retail buyers are hard to reach. Almost every time they call a prospect, they get voicemail and have to leave a message. None of the prospects call back. So they call again and leave a second voice message along with an email. But once again, the prospects don't respond. It's kind of rude, one of the younger salespeople remarks. The direct-to-consumer salespeople are also frustrated. They make 1,000 calls and only speak to 81 prospects. From that group, for purchase a hammer. The door-to-door -door salespeople are even more discouraged. They knocked on 450 doors, spoke to 33 prospects, and only sold two hammers. To top it off, one of the salespeople reports, I almost got bitten by someone's dog. During the following months, the sales team keeps at it, and there are some encouraging developments. Two local retailers stock the hammers on a consignment basis, meaning they can return the hammers to Harry if they don't sell. As well, Harry sells 121 hammers online, although it's pointed out that the cost of online advertising strips away most of the profit. After a year, Harry is both worried and optimistic. He hasn't sold very many hammers but he's making inroads. People tell him to keep at it. It usually takes a few years for a new company to make a profit, supporters tell him. The key is to persevere. So Harry perseveres. He finds investors and expands his sales team. He creates a second-generation hammer, making it even lighter and stronger. But then something happens that Harry had not expected, although in hindsight, he realizes it was inevitable. A new competitor from Asia enters the marketplace. Their hammer, called the Whamma 9000, looks a lot like Harry's hammer. It's also light and strong, and has a streamlined futuristic shape. But that isn't the biggest problem. The Whamma 9000 is 25% cheaper than Harry's hammer. Harry buys a Whamma 9000 and checks it out. He gets some comfort from the fact that the upstart hammer isn't as good as his hammer. Our hammer is lighter and stronger, he tells everyone. Sure their hammer is less expensive, but our hammer is better quality. Selling quality, however, is tough. Prospects only have one question, how much? When a salesperson explains that Harry's hammer is better quality, and therefore more expensive, the prospects are unmoved. 
You say your hammer is better but the people from Whammer say their hammer is better too, the prospects say. And their hammer is cheaper. So we're going to stock the Whammer. If you can get your price down to their price, maybe we'll take another look at your hammer. Unfortunately, that's just the beginning of Harry's woes. Over the next year, six other new competitors enter the hammer market. All claim their hammer is the best and all offer a lower price than Harry. Reluctantly, Harry decides to lower his price, cutting into his already slim profit margin. But even that doesn't work because three of the competitors promptly lower their price even more. Determined to figure a way out of this quagmire, Harry brings his employees and investors together for a meeting. After spelling out the situation, Harry asks for suggestions. Everyone has an opinion on what to do. Some suggest they lower their price even more and make operations more efficient. Others suggest they branch out into screwdrivers and other tools such as wrenches and saws. A few of the younger employees think the company should make better use of social media. We need to tweet more, Harry's son says. I appreciate all of your comments and suggestions, Harry says. But I think we need to stay the course. We've got 20,000 hammers in the warehouse. The name of the company is Harry's Hammers. We can't start selling screwdrivers. That would confuse people. We just need to try harder. We need to make more calls and send out more emails. We need to hone our message and convince customers that our hammers are the best quality and worth a few extra dollars. Two months later, Harry learns a national chain of hardware stores is running a promotion. To attract new customers, they're giving away free hammers, the Whamma 9000s. Shortly thereafter, Harry files for bankruptcy. All the employees are laid off and 20,000 hammers are sold at auction for 35 cents each. Dejected but not defeated, Harry returns to the workbench in his garage. He has an idea for a new and better can opener. So the question is, why did Harry fail? Harry failed because he used old factory thinking. He approached his business like it was the 19th century, not the 21st century. Like many business people, he used a mental roadmap that no longer works in today's market conditions. To understand what I mean, let's imagine in the next chapter what would happen if Harry used new factory thinking.